Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. Not my story, but one my mom told me from her 20s when she was living and working in London. I'll do my best to retell it. This story always gives me the creeps, though, when I find myself thinking about it. So back in her 20s, my mom was living in London and looking to move into a slightly bigger place. She'd found a really good price for a flat slightly out from the area she was hoping to find. She'd called the agent to book a viewing, and that's when things turned odd. The guy booking the viewing started asking weird questions, requests, such as to bring her passport, what's her age, race, and physical appearance. Would she be coming on her own? Did she have a car? Or would she be taking the bus? Very persistent in his askings, and steadfast in the fact that she should arrive by bus, as it would be easiest for her explaining it was a straight road from the bus stop to the apartment block. Obviously quite unnerved by this call, but still interested, because the flat looked ideal. She and my dad, who were dating at the time, decided to check the exterior and surrounding area. The day before the viewing, they drove there, first passing the bus stop he was indicating to her to arrive via. From the bus stop, there was about 150, maybe 200 meters of derelict wasteland, that she would have to walk past to get to the flat. And standing at the end of the street in the location this apartment block should have been was a huge abandoned building. Smashed windows, graffiti, no entry signs, the whole lot. Definitely nothing inhabitable in sight. Still, when she tells us today, you can see how much it rightly shook her. Of course, she didn't go to her viewing, However, she did inform the police advising them of the planned time and place. From what she saw, and from following up with them, they didn't appear to take this tip seriously in the least, and very little was done. A couple of years later, while in a pub with some friends, she gets chatting to a guy she just met through mutual friends that night. He was in the police, and through conversation, her story came up. He said that that area at the time of her viewing had a huge human trafficking problem. Stories of people being lured to places that they had no actual reason to be, simply for the sake of robbing, kidnapping, or worse. The guy spoke of several instances of both men and women being drawn to that area under the guise of housing accommodation or work, just to find their way there one day and then to never be seen again. This man all but confirmed in my mother's opinion that something terrible would have happened had she shown up that day. Not that she needed any further confirmation, but it drove home just how right she was to check out the location beforehand and not to just trust the housing promises of a stranger. So a few years ago, I lived in an apartment complex in San Antonio, Texas. I was 26 at the time, and I'm female. I lived there for about four years with a couple of my best friends. 
So over the years, I would run in a neighborhood that was close to our apartment complex. I've actually had a couple of weird things happen to me throughout the years running there, as well as at our complex. But this event was the most terrifying moment of my life, and it caused me to stop running in that neighborhood altogether, until life finally found my friends and I moving to different cities. Over the years of running, I became familiar with this one house that gave serious trap house vibes. It was out of place for the neighborhood, as there was an elementary school just up the street, and it was far from a high crime area. It was a corner house that was at the first stop sign of my running path, so the closest corner to my apartment, and housed a group of about six rather large men. That's usually about how many I would see together at a time at least. They always had people coming and going, sounded like they were throwing a never-ending party, and their property smelled strongly of weed. As a woman and avid watcher of crime documentaries, I'm constantly paranoid and observant of my surroundings, which is why I'd come to know that house all so well. Throughout the years, I'd always managed to see them, but they never saw me. However, in the last year that we lived there, that all changed. Just so you know, it wasn't dark out during this event. The sun was out, shining brightly. It was maybe 5.30 p.m. or so. I'm at the start of my path, and I'm coming up to the first stop sign in their house. Per usual, I look for them and their vehicle and any potential traffic, and I notice that they aren't home. They only had one vehicle, a big black Tahoe that they would all pile into, so it made it pretty easy to know if someone was home or not. I continue on my run, which takes me further up past that house into another neighborhood where I would run around a cul-de-sac a few times before running back down that same path. I'd say about an hour and a half passes by, and then I decide to head home before the sun starts to fade, and it gets dark. As I'm running home and coming up to that house and the stop sign, I'm listening to music, but I notice that I'll probably need to stop at the stop sign because of traffic. As I hit the corner, that puts this house to the right of me, and the stop sign for the four-way intersection to the left of me. I credit what happened next to trusting my instincts, remaining observant, and being in band and softball. I was honestly really tired from my run, so I was kind of looking down at the ground rather than ahead, but I always utilize my peripheral vision. Shout out to being a band nerd. If you know, you know. As the traffic clears, I take off to run across the street to the sidewalk that will take me to a fence on the side of my apartment complex. It didn't have a door. I would just either hop it or slide under to run down that path. I see that the vehicle that had been stopped at the stop sign perpendicular to me is a vehicle that I know to belong to the house that was just on the right of me. Out of the corner of my eye, I see them turn like they're going to go down their street. When I think, When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Hmm. That turn seemed too wide to be a U-turn, which is weird since their house is right there. I take all of two tired steps. I was nearly out of energy at this point, before I get this sinking gut feeling. I've never in my life felt this feeling before, but immediately, I felt danger course at my back, and everything in my body and mind told me to run for my life. I didn't fight the feeling, I just did. With that inkling of fear in my stomach and danger down my back, I sprinted down the sidewalk with renewed vigor and slid under the fence like I was sliding to home plate. I immediately popped up and turned around to look outside the fence, where I had just been, and I saw them. The group of men that I had only ever seen in passing were sitting in their car on the street outside of my apartment complex fence, with their windows down and all six of them staring directly at me. We stared at each other for what seemed like a long time before I watched them drive away, and once they were out of sight, I ran like hell to my apartment and locked myself inside, scared to show them exactly where my apartment was, as I was worried they were circling the complex looking for me. I told my friends what happened and spent the rest of the night full of adrenaline, pacing and reflecting on what had happened. Those men purposely chose not to go home, but rather pull a U-turn to follow me as I ran. Recounting the story over the years, I've had people tell me it was so they could view my butt as I ran. But when I remember that feeling in my body, there was almost a voice in my head yelling at me to run like my life depended on it, and think to their blank faces and dark eyes staring at me from inside that vehicle. I seriously question what their true intentions were that day. Glad to never actually find out. It was April of 2008. I was 20 and living in Denver for a year-long work contract with a non-profit in Boulder. My girlfriend, now wife, and my best friend Tim drove to Colorado from our home state to visit me for my 21st birthday. The nonprofit I was working for housed their workers in dorm rooms, and drinking wasn't allowed on site. Nor were visitors allowed to stay overnight. So I booked a hotel room in downtown Denver for the weekend where we could drink in honor of my 21st. The hotel was big, very nice, and in a safe central area of the city. So nice, in fact, that it was the same hotel that most of the politicians would later stay at during the Democratic National Convention of 2008 that took place in Denver later that summer. My wife and Tim arrived Saturday morning, and we all met up at the hotel. The day was fantastic. We drank our way across the city most of the day, by about 1 a.m., we got back to the hotel. The room was typical, with two queen beds. Bed number one was close to a big window, looking out across the city. Bed number two was pushed against the wall with a door that opened to the bathroom. You couldn't see the door or entryway to the room unless you were at the foot of bed number one. We drank more and chatted in the room until about 4 a.m. My wife was laying at the head of bed number two, flipping through the TV channels. 
Tim and I were seated at the foot of bed number one, staring out the window as we talked. As we spoke, I heard some movement and the sound of a door opening. Without looking away from the window, I had assumed that it was my wife getting up to use the bathroom. A few minutes passed by, and I thought I heard movement once more, so I finally turned around to look. I saw my wife still lounging in bed number two, as she had been. Did you get up a few minutes ago and use the bathroom? I asked her. Her response? No. I thought I heard a door, I said back to her with her just looking confused back at me. Yeah, I thought I heard that too, Tim said, breaking his own gaze from the window. It was then I started to run cold and sobered up pretty quickly. Very softly, I heard Tim say, I think there's someone in our room. I lurched forward from the foot of the bed to look into the pitch black entryway. I could barely make it out, and I wanted to believe so hard that I wasn't seeing it. But there was a man, dressed in all black with a baseball cap, pressed into the 90 degree corner of the entryway, where the room door and wall met. Absolute silence fell on the room, and it felt like hours passed by as I started to panic in my mind like no way I ever have in my entire life. We all knew. We knew we weren't alone and hadn't been for a while. And he knew that we had spotted him. Eventually, Tim got the courage to meekly speak in the direction of the entryway and said, Hey man, is there something we can help you with? Another period of silence that felt like an eternity went by. He slumped off the edge of the wall a little bit into the light, and made eye contact with Tim and I. We all just stared at each other. Then eventually he spoke up and said, Is this room 1709? No, man, it's not, Tim said, stroking his beard nervously. The man stared at us a while longer, raising his eyebrows and shaking his head. He then turned around and unceremoniously left. We then erupted into a million curse words and paced around the room. I called the front desk. They told me that he was drunk and they found him in the stairwell, but directed him back to the right room. Minutes later, Tim called the front desk, and they told him that he was not a guest. He had been apprehended in the stairwell and taken into police custody. Then a while later, they told my wife he disappeared into the night, and they had no idea who he was or what he was doing. They also told her that there was no room 1709 in the hotel. So we got three different stories entirely. We still have no idea what that was all about, or how he managed to get a key card to our room. We were absolutely sure that the door was closed. It was easily the most terrifying moment of my life. Always use the latch in hotel rooms. We got the stay refunded, and about $200 in credit for food from the hotel. I think we should have sued, but we were young and dumb. Just glad to get out of there unscathed.